Vanga Angela starts and welcome to Real Indigenous. Uh, we have two of our regular hosts and a very special guest. And I'll say this right off the top. We are huge, huge fans. Hello, everybody. My name is Patrick Willie. I uh, run the YouTube channel Patrick is a Navajo and the series Natives React. Uh, I started a new YouTube channel for fun, Indigenous Talk, which is more focused on uh, natives and media. And so it's kind of what, what led to me being here today. So happy to be here. This is tough. This is Sunrise. And we're doing like a cultural exchange in our conversation tonight uh, since Patrick is in, where are you? Oh, I'm in Utah. You're in Utah. Yes. Did you grow up on the res? Uh, I did not. No, Uh, I grew up here in Orem, Utah. Uh, Both my parents grew up on the Navajo Reservation. And which is where they shoot dark winds. And so we're all here in Oklahoma, which Mm -hmm. is where they shoot reservation dogs. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about the differences of living here and seeing it on the screen. Mm-hmm. Cross reservation exchange. A reservation exchange. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> there we go. A digital reservation exchange. So you had a question about Sonics. Uh, I find it very interesting because me and my buddies, uh, you all said you're from Oklahoma, and me and my buddies just barely found out that Sonic comes from Oklahoma and we were like what and we we're like oh that makes sense more specifically Shawnee Oklahoma I believe that's and where I grew up we were like what we're like that's why it's in reservation dogs like for the Navajo perspective I mean with our like smaller t- smaller towns eventually we would get Sonic and it was kind of just one of the staples along with KFC and so <laughs> I kind of assumed it was because of that but yeah that we totally did not make that connection till just barely well, the original is on Kickapoo Street in Shawnee, and it's called the Brown Derby. And from there, the owners started delivering food at the speed of sound. Oh, yes. I, I Googled it, and I, I read exactly that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, tragically, the Brown Derby was hit by the tornadoes in February. And wiped out pretty bad they've been rebuilding they've been um i think they opened back up for limited hours but it was kind of a blow to the nostalgia of the sonics did it look at all like the uh the sonic that we see in the episode five of the house made the bongs no it's actually a native stone like little hut with the wings coming out the side it doesn't look like the sonics in the latest Mm. episode of reservation Mm -hmm. dogs at all and i don't think i've ever seen one that looks like that to be honest i saw like a behind the scenes photo where they actually just took a like an old like car hop burger place and then they turned it into a sonic so i mean i believe i don't think i don't think it was a sonic before but i guess in the show they kind of just made do probably with a lot of expensive magic actually do you uh, patrick do you get anything at sonic like what's your sonic like oh <laughs> what's, what's the Patrick sonic? uh all, all about the tots and then just like any yeah. other navajo the cherry limeade hey the route 44 oh yeah oh, oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's the go-to Angela, you know anything any classic we haven't talked at all about sonic really in terms of like what we like what what, what did you would you do with the original sonic anything actually we would drive to the one in tecumseh and get the fried pickles 
So this was back in the day and they've stopped serving fried pickles, but they were, I can't even tell you what they were breaded with, but they were so good that we drove all the way to Tecumseh, which was, you know, it's like five minutes away, but <laughs> there was uh-huh. enemy territory to the Shawnee wolves. Sunrise, you, you hit up Sonics. I do. I just got some the other day, but I pretty much only get iced tea with blackberry or something or raspberry flavoring in it. That's all I get. Sometimes, sometimes Maya wants a hot dog, so I'll get that. So, okay, Tony. Uh, what's that? What's yours, Sonic order? Sonics. Shit, I'll eat anything on that fucking menu, dude. I'm usually like a slushy person. Burger sometimes. I used to like the onion rings, but they changed the recipe, I think, and I don't like the onion rings so much. But like uh, back in the day, it was like near our school. For a while there, they let us like leave campus to go eat and shit. And so what happens is like uh, all of the like the party kids would go to Sonics and get a large like the Route 44 because, you know, only one person can afford it, you know, or they put their money together. <laughs> but they would have some like uh, liquor and stuff, and they would pour it in there, and they would drink it like that, and they would sit over and get drunk while while during recess or whatever you call that during school, and so that was <laughs> like my big Sonic story. And then oh, my I mom thought everybody did drink. that. I thought everybody <laughs> oh, put okay. yeah. in their Sonic drinks. That's I mean uh, that's cool, it keeps cool. it cold. But he's also talking about recess. He's talking about like oh, <laughs> elementary my. school. Sunrise oh. and I were talking about if you wanted to share about dark winds and kind of. Uh, give it I I only know I only know a little bit. Um, from my point of view, a lot of uh, Navajo people, uh, or I guess a lot of Navajo people who grew up on the Navajo reservation and have been around Navajo speakers, they are kind of uh, off-putted by the. Navajo speaking in dark winds and a lot of them have unfairly just kind of lost interest in the show because of that. Like more, more specifically my dad, I use my dad as like just a general gauge for just the average watcher. Yeah. He watched the first couple episodes and he was like, "Uh, I don't know if I like that. He's like, I know they're trying. That's good. And then uh, I have seen, Unfortunately, but I want to say that's part of I don't know just the the native, uh, I don't know the, the unfair judgment that we sometimes can give others, especially from our own tribe. And so, um, I have seen a lot of love though from other Navajos for Dark Winds. Just uh, I keep seeing the language brought up of how they want the authentic language, which I feel like that would be very tough but i guess possible um yeah um again i don't know too much about dark winds (laughs) (laughs) other than just what i've seen from the first season and i haven't uh dived into the second season but i know that they just had their uh second to last episode for the season right yes i mean just hearing about that with the language is what i would expect Um, oh yeah you know, it just just the way that like elections run and how language is a big part of that, and um, uh, the sticklers that I know about language outside of media, just whether somebody knows their language or not in the Navajo Nation, it seems like it's a, a critical piece to getting right. Um, I will say, mm-hmm. as the the show plays out, this new season. 
there are some natural speakers that come up that are elders. And as soon as they speak, it like really connected with me. I was like, oh, that, uh, that's real. Uh, and it was like a fresh breath of air. But you got to, you know, you, you got to sit through all these other episodes to get to it. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's, I don't know that's going to happen for people. Okay. So we had the big explosion of like natives and media, right? And like moving forward, we had uh, like Rutherford Falls, Reservation Dogs, and then we get Dark Winds. I want to be hopeful. I want it to continue, but that is a tough thing to hope for. And then uh, Rutherford Falls gets canceled. I'm like, oh, okay. I kind of, I don't know. I was rooting for it, but I was like, okay, I could kind of see that happening. And then I was surprised that Sterling Harjo announces that, oh, they're going to uh, uh, Reservation Dogs third season. That's it. And I was like, oh, what? But I mean, at least they're going out on top and they're not going too long. Now, when it comes to Dark Winds, they're about to finish their se- season two. Do you think they're going to come back for season three? I would love to say yes, like thousand percent. Yes, all hopeful. But I'm like, I don't really know too many people watching Dark Winds. I'm told that it's been well received and watched oh. by enough people on the AMC plus app, you know, it's the first thing that pops up when you, when you sign in. Oh, so I would like to hope too. Like you said, I would like to hope because, you know, you want to see more native content and more natives mm-hmm. doing stuff. How, how does people feel about Tony Hillerman? Like that you interact with, did they ever talk about him? Um, ooh. that work. Uh-huh. Uh, I actually don't know too much at all. No. Cause he's uh, another Okie. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. a displaced Okie. He started here and then uh, went out there and to, really? he was a newspaper man and started what? writing. He delivered papers or wrote for him? He wrote for him. He actually uh, went to OU. I want to, yeah, I think. Did, did he write for an Oklahoma paper then? Like uh, no. OU Press? I'm not OU sure. Press. Well, OU Press is for the books, but OU Daily it was the student paper. I want to say he maybe wrote for the Oklahoman, but then he went out there and, you know, I, I think he's kind of known for romanticizing the Navajo Nation. Mm-hmm. And I, I, when he was writing, quite often he would get criticized for sharing different parts of different ceremonies in his books. Mm-hmm that weren't necessarily supposed to be shared. So this adaptation, I, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the earlier versions of the Hillerman books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so There's... this, this one's supposed to be a little bit more cognizant of what they share and don't share. Right. Or, or how they share if they do. Right. We talked about how there's like the coming of age ceremony. And it's um, oh yeah, not described and not explained, right? You know, yeah. I guess you, Pat Patrick, you are aware, but you haven't watched the series. Uh, I haven't finished it. Started yeah. oh, it. Oh, you, oh, you started it. <laughs> yeah, I started it. Haven't finished it. No, haven't uh, caught up on the second season. Is there a reason you stopped? Uh, I don't know. It just I I was like I'll get around to it, and I never did. And then I don't know, but. Uh, I guess like um, it's like, oh, why am I caught up on reservation dogs then? 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> well, it's easier I, I to plan watch to, it's 20 but, minutes, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that the only reason? <laughs> uh, for the most part, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I definitely do want to catch up on Dark Winds. Yeah, um, I'm very curious about just like um, Navajos in general, how they might be contributing to the audience or not. Mm-hmm. Before you were mentioning that, like, you, you know, family members are hesitant. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of, I don't know, the, I want to say the older generation, they kind of, I don't know, I think they have this unrealistic expectation of, of wanting to hear authentic Navajo spoken in the show. And then when mm-hmm. they don't hear that, or like up to their standard, they kind of just lose interest. Mm-hmm. And then also another thing I was like, I don't know how many like actual like res natives are going to know about like watching it on uh, AMC. Like, are, right. are they going to know how to, to, to download the app, make an account, go on watching on there? Because I remember I had to explain to my dad like how to watch it. I was like, hey, dad, there's a new show. And he, he was interested. He's like, wait, how do how do I watch this, though? He's like, it's not on cable or I mean. I don't even know if it is. It might be. But to him, it was, yeah, this new age of digital. And so I don't know how many have been able to make that transition who are interested and reach that barrier. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And you're, comping, yeah, but- you're talking about an older generation, which is, mm-hmm. might, be, might be different from like those that are accessing Prey or Reservation Dogs right, yeah. to an app. And that might be a younger audience. But I think I feel like that that's the demographic that Dark Winds goes for is the older Taylor Sheridan type. Yeah, I, I, Angela, I don't remember if you said this or if we said this on the podcast, but it seems like there's an acorn element here, right? Like that it's available on these services yeah. that are that are related to like I think it popped up on procedures. Prime as, oh. as an acorn release. Yeah, so that's like you know people who are older and fans of classic mystery stories really like whether mm-hmm. it's like novels or like murder she wrote or uh what's that one guy what's his name in, in the white lawyer suit inspector no wait inspector no. gadget <laughs> inspector gadget andy griffith uh, andy andy, andy, <laughs> yeah andy griffith is matlock matlock <laughs> uh, yeah but uh, this is a good question that he's asking here that patrick is asking about whether or not the trend is going to continue. Are we going to see another season? And well, even you know, though we Stur- also lost, we also lost um, Alaska Daily, which was like the only oh, show yeah. that was broadcast that <laughs> focused on MMIW. So, you know, I think we said earlier in a different show that Killers of the Flower Moon has a lot of weight on its shoulder. Mm-hmm. In and not just that, but Echo. Going. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> so I don't know if you guys know, but they are premiering the entire season of Echo on the same day. Yes, which yeah. is oh. a red flag, unfortunately. Oh. Yeah, if, I feel like if they, yeah, yeah, if they believed in it, they would be spreading it out week to week so it could garner attention. But they're not, and I don't. I'm cautiously hopeful but of course i want to support yes and yes yes yeah, of course yes. yeah okay. watch it twice <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah we were a little uh, worried about that 
And and I wonder if it makes a difference about who the showrunners are because you know Sterling is definitely Muskogee Creek, Eastern Oklahoma, n- grew up in that environment that Reservation Dogs is set in. Whereas you know they've had a couple of different showrunners for Dark Winds, oh. and there's some inconsistencies. Like the first season we've talked about, it was kind of messy. The second season seems to have calmed down a lot, but. I don't, but the showrunner's not Navajo, so they don't. Oh, they didn't grow up in that. Yeah, and I don't know if there's something about that. Yeah, one thing I'll also say in terms of the longevity of Dark Winds, I just have this feeling. It's like more than a feeling, really, but it just has a feeling that it's going to be around. <clears throat> and part of that, I think, is the fact that it's on AMC. And I, I don't think many people know this, but when you like go into the literature of AMC, if you want to like look at all their legal paperwork, um, Robert Redford, who's like listed as an executive producer on the show, Robert Redford is the creative director for AMC Networks. And so oh. he, he has a oh. lot of influence, mm-hmm. has a lot of weight. So like if he's involved in the show, it's probably going to last as long as he thinks that that show can last. Um. So that's, you know, that's something. And I think, you know, all this reports, like I think Matt gave us a, an article at one point saying that Dark Winds um, sees a view a, a rise in viewership that was reported in 100, 146%. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. That's crazy. And AMC Networks has reported 11 million subscribers across its services. Mm-hmm. Um and they're averaging 1.5 million views. So it seems like they're consistent, at least. Interesting. But not mm-hmm. with the older Diné generation. Uh, from my perspective, <laughs> no. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> not, or not as much. I, I, my, my fear was that it had to do with, like, the subject matter rather than, like, how you access the show. Oh, um, Yeah. But I don't know how true that is or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother is Navajo, and she—that is one thing she avoided the show for. Like I, I, I tricked her, I think, into watching the premiere <laughs> season two. Uh-huh. Uh, you but, did? Like, not sort of. Not really. I was like, oh look, what's on? Oh look! Oh, oh look at that! Let's just watch. <laughs> But I know that she definitely did not like watching the first season because of like the content. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I'm just curious if you have heard anything about like that, or if you have your own aversions, mm-hmm. how you feel about like uh, depicting this like controversial, um, these controversial elements. Um, like I said, I haven't seen much of the first season. But kind of what you're talking about, yeah, I, I, I feel you, especially when it gets into the territory of, I don't know, re- referring to like shapeshifters or uh, skinwalkers. And it, I've seen it is very divided. Either a lot of other Navajo people I, I know and talk to, either they say, hey, I'm going to stick with the cultural, the cultural tradition and I'm not even going to mention that. I'm not even going to be around that, talk about that, no. And then you have like, I don't know, other navajos who like will will freely share these stories and talk about them and yeah and whatnot and so i don't know i've, I've seen back and forth but i can definitely see that being a reason as to why um they're not as interested or get off put by the show 
Well, it's really funny because here in Oklahoma, everybody talks about Dear Lady. Uh-huh. Or, or oh, yeah, I have one. Yeah, I've wondered or, that. Yeah. Like, is that taboo? Or is that kind of just, oh, it's part of the culture? Or, oh, it's, no, we're used to that. Tully's cousin kinda. ran into her. <laughs> yeah, so great. What? Yeah. Was she, did she order two pies or? Oh yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> they never, never said what she ordered because uh, when she saw the the hooves, she just left. She's like, uh, she went up there to like take her order and uh, drop the spoon. And when she leaned down to pick it up, she saw the hooves and and freaked out and just walked to the manager. I'm out of here. I I got to go home. <laughs> so she didn't even try to order nothing from for. And it is kind of taboo in at certain times and at certain places is what I feel. How I've experienced it, because like we were at like these campgrounds, and I had asked something, and they told me to shut up, and I was like, "Well, I'll tell y'all later. I'll tell you later." So it was it's that kind of thing where like where you're at a place you don't want to really be talking about it. So I've heard stuff like that, and then I hear stuff like about how people like at certain times you can say it or at certain places because we're like how many tribes are we in Oklahoma? Like thirty nine tribes. So that's also, yeah. Yeah. So that's also a thing is like, who's going to say what or who doesn't say what, you know? Yeah. That's like the whole owl thing is very different from tribe to tribe. Oh, yeah. 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 Are the Choctaws, how do they feel about that? So when when I was a kid, we we grew up thinking it was like a bad thing and we were always scared of them. And then we tell stories again, like when somebody like heard like a knock on the door or something. And they went to open the door and there was an owl sitting right there. And, you know, you had those kind of stories where they freak out. The holy shit, look at that owl. <laughs> and, but then, like, what my dad taught me was, like, because for Choctaws, owls mean, like, death, death of something, the end of something. And so, but what my dad said was, like, death's not just, like, a physical death. It's always, like, it's just change. It's about something that changes. So don't be, like, scared of the owl, at least for us. And then there's also this story where uh, when we were kids, we heard like these owls outside our, our house. And there was like a, like, then there was another owl that came and they started fighting and they were hitting against the, the, the side of the house. And we were all just sitting like in our, in our room, everybody was sitting in the room just listening to it and trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. And, my, and so, you know, we were all scared. And so we thought it was, there was somebody that lived down the road from us who was like, we always thought it was like a, like a, uh, uh, what do you call it? A lichie is what you call it. Kind of like a, like a medicine doctor. Some are good and some are bad. So there's a lichie in Istahulu. And so we thought that person was a lichie. And my dad was saying, they, that, that person probably turned into an owl to come and protect us. Cause that might've been a bad person who turned into an owl to try to make us sick. And so those kind of things happen too, right? And so we just tell those kind of stories. And for us, like the owl has like kind of this weird kind of thing because what happens is like those, uh, it's the hula, they like, they tear open their guts and they put it in a little pan, like hide it to hide it. And they turn into an owl. And so they're the ones who actually come and hurt you, not the actual owl owls, but those people. And so that's kind of like how, how we do it. But there's also tribes like, you know, like you saw in Reservation Dogs, that you can't even look at them because they'll, they'll, you know, they'll make you sick and all this stuff. Yeah, a transformative 
Yeah, and that's a good example. Reservation Dogs. Everybody loves that moment in the first season where they go to Brandy's house and it's got that like that censored mm-hmm. moment. Yeah, that's I guess maybe a a way to balance you know the taboo and then also like express something about it. And it also is a joke. It sort of like maybe takes the power away from it a little bit. Like those are all like um, maybe indigenous ways to think about like managing something that you have to talk about. Because at some point you got to tell these stories, right? At some point, these stories are told to protect people for whatever reason, kids or um, Mm -hmm. people who lost their way. You got to tell these stories. So um, now we're in a visual medium and it's not all oral anymore. You got to have these little strategies like that. But uh, I feel like that's a challenge as we go forward, whatever format, you know, as we start like increasing into the world of like superheroes, we're going to start dealing with some of this stuff again, that any of that stuff is going to be possible. And what's taboo, what's not, um, um, how do we communicate? Well, I, that? I think that that applies to fashion, art, you know, there people, especially during the pandemic, people were really struggling with what's the difference between appreciation and appropriation. And, you know, because everybody was shopping online and buying beautiful, beautiful earrings. And, you know, if you're non-native, everybody was like, well, can I wear them? And at first, a lot of the native creative natives were like, no. And then there was like, oh yeah, actually it's, if you buy it from a native, if it comes from us, and you're supporting us and you're being respectful of the creator, the artist, then that's appreciation. If you're stealing the ideas and making it something different, that's appropriation. I mean, I think up until recently, that's all we've had is appropriation of our stories. Instead of, yeah, you're talking about like the balancing line between like just colonialism. Yeah. Versus just like allyship and support. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that is a new area that we're in. Yeah, especially yeah. with designers like Jamie Okuma and that, you know, are mass marketing their designs. And, you know, at first it was all native ma- models that they were putting them on. And now they're starting to branch out to show that everyone is welcome to wear these designs because they're choosing designs that aren't sacred. They're not important to them Mm -hmm. but people can still support them and the people that make those clothes by purchasing Mm -hmm. and wearing them Mm -hmm. so yeah it's really interesting to see us try to figure out how to raise the level of awareness ourselves and not allow non-natives to tell our stories anymore or or design our clothes or do our art sort of i mean like what you're describing also is that if there's a non-native involved, that they just recognize the contribution, right? That's that's land acknowledgement that's happening. That's like, you know, language acknowledgement that seems to be happening now. That's artist acknowledgement and effort. And you're making me wonder right now where Dark Winds falls in the scheme of all of this, right? Yeah, I Dark think that's Winds. our big question is, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it is there are natives on staff, but there are also non-natives on staff for dark winds. Reservation dogs, Sterling's been pretty firm about employing natives above the line 
below i mean in all all parts echo Mm -hmm. worked with tully's tribe to to get their artwork to get their wardrobe uh killers of the flower moon worked all with all the osages you know Mm -hmm. it was Mm -hmm. but it's still a non-native director Mm -hmm. yeah so So, but and it seems like they're these examples are taking the steps forward to basically make the declaration that this is what we're doing and these are the people involved so it seems like it's a step away from appropriation maybe yeah i mean yeah i'm hopefully because they're paying us for our expertise i think it's moving maybe slowly but moving in a good direction of what it used to be because before it was like a pan-indian concept or it was you know, non-natives playing natives. So like uh, the Red Gays talking about, they're talking about the uh, Chuck Connors, Geronimo, the, where they talk about Geronimo and, you know, and the joke was, and here's blue-eyed Geronimo, you know? <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so... Hey, my dad, my dad was Delaware and all of his family, they have blue eyes because of one, one German that married into the family. They got those big wow. Indian noses. I mean, they're they look native as can be, and they've got bright blue eyes. It's the craziest thing. We swung a, a great deal toward dark winds. Should we swing another direction? So basically, I have my channel. Um, Patrick is a Navajo, where I run Natives React. Although we haven't uploaded in like six or seven months, we're slacking. But I have new episodes recorded. I'm slowly getting back to that. But also, for the longest time, I have always been into uh movies and film and tv and so that's a big passion of mine big hobby um and so i've always wanted i've always like been a fan or or i yeah became a fan of uh your guys's podcast um i became a fan of the red gaze um my buddy he runs native media theory and i became friends with uh, native film talk um and so I always thought it would be great. I always thought it would be fun to try doing like a reservation dogs episode reviews. And so I was able to get my two buddies, Ian from native film talk and Elias from native media theory and my other buddy that I record natives react with Jacob. And we have just been going episode by episode and it has been a lot of fun. And that more so is just a passion project. Um, I do plan to get back to uh making natives react videos again but um yeah like i uh, mentioned earlier that's kind of what led uh me to meeting y'all just the me uh venturing into just um trying to share that part of me the, that's interested in in the movies and media and especially connecting it to natives how much work are each of those episodes that you put on youtube i mean Oh yeah, it depends on which uh for like Natives React. I really got into like learning how to edit. I watched so many nobody taught me to edit. I learned all from YouTube. I watched so many videos. I study other channels. I really get into like how I'm gonna present it. Usually I tell people it's anywhere from like fifteen to twenty hours to edit one episode. Um, but I I really get into it uh, to like the moment by moment. And then I get into like, okay, it's dragging here. No, I can't have this here. Or, oh, is this going to translate to the audience? Not really. Okay, I'm going to do this different or whatnot. And so the Reservation Dogs reviews, that has been much easier. Anywhere from like five to seven hours. But 
I really enjoy editing. And so it's like the creating process. That's what has made it fun. That's fantastic. You want to edit some of these? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hey, it it sounds like a lot of hours, but I I mean, think of like beadwork, right? I mean, beadwork yeah. takes so much time and dedication. And you're like, how can someone sit there doing beadwork for, you know, 10 hours at a time or eight hours at a time? You're like, oh, I think of it like that. I mean, like it, if you have a passion for it and yeah, I mean, then it doesn't feel like work, you know, just like they say. Do you have an idea of like when you're going to go to insert something like it? Obviously, you're planning. Like, oh, yeah. React, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, a, a, a lot of it is. I don't know. I, I feel like I just have a good memory. And so a lot of it is kind of like planning ahead. I love references. I love finding like the meanings of things. And I think that just came from uh, my love for film and getting into like the like whole analysis of wondering, oh, why would a director do this? Why would they do this? Or, again, like my whole life has been movies. And so a lot of times I'll see something and then I, I can like quickly connect it to a movie moment or pop culture moment. And so that's where I have had a lot of fun on Natives React with the memes and whatnot. Do you have just like a backlog of memes or is oh, it all yeah, from your mind? Yeah, yeah. Every, every day. <laughs> My life is pretty much memes. I have so many native memes that it's piled up. Um, I have so many picture memes that I don't know if I will ever get around to like all of them. I don't know what I'm going to do with those, but it's like the the funny videos that pretty much everyone sees on TikTok. Those are the the great ones that I go after. And so those kind of sort of pile up, but eventually I saw that there were different topics and themes. And so that's when I spit split up the videos to do like different themed episodes and whatnot. Yeah, we're all big fans here. So hey, so all right. We, we hope to see some more pretty soon. All right. Hey. Oh yeah. Yeah. We are coming <laughs> back. Um I actually prepared individual episodes for like the Reservation Dogs cast because I was super hopeful earlier this year. I was like, okay, this is the year. My buddy was in Dallas Goldtooth's live and he said, Hey, have you heard of Nate's React? Would you be a guest? And he was like, Yeah, just send me the email. I was like, oh, perfect. So I started to build build uh, Dallas Goldtooth an episode, but then the, the strike happens, right? Where they can't promote anything. And so I'm like, I can't get, this would fall under like promotion and whatnot for Reservation Dogs. And so like, I'm like, oh, I can't even ask them. So I'm like, dang it. I was super excited for those episodes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that would have been so awesome. Yeah. I, I, well, you know, strike only in eventually. So hopefully we'll get yes, to see all that. Yes, yes. That's been hitting us too, because we're, we're just talking about like, all these guests and people we want to bring in and also oh, doing some live stuff. Yeah. And, and we're like, oh, shit, what do we do to promote this movie and this show? And then, what are like some of your top movies? Like you say you really like movies. Oh, what yeah. The, the movies that you recommend uh, kind of stuff that, and why you like them and shit. Just about everything. Just um, <laughs> kind of like, I don't know, like imagine if you're a film student starting from day one. I mean, you can go through what, like the, the AFI top 100 best films and then you can go through any any like best films of all time list and then kind of just go in and picking and choosing. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is just go to like the Criterion collection and just pick a random film. And then it always is it, it always is special in one way or another. Uh, off the top of my head, uh, like my favorite, my, one of my favorite movies of all time is Singing in the Rain, um, Aladdin, yeah. Vertigo, like these. Um, Ooh. Uh, yeah, kind of, kind of like I don't know, movies that affected me in one way or another that made me see like 
what movies can do. And I know it's different for everyone. So, right. Is there, is there one that really struck you when you were young or something where it's like, um, you understood something great about filmmaking? Um, yeah, I want to say again, I think that maybe this just comes with being native, right? Even on the reservation, right? There is not a lot to do. And so I want to say that's why movies are very big for a lot of people. And especially like back in the day, you couldn't watch everything. The type of movies you had access to were the blockbusters or the just the popular movies. And so those were the ones that my dad would introduce to me. Um, and mine was probably like uh, Jurassic Park when I was younger. And then I remember there's like, you know, like Jurassic Park, they're talking about breeding, trying to, to, to play God. There's one moment where like Dr. Grant, he... He, he gets his seatbelt, but he grabs two female parts of the seatbelt. Doesn't work. And then he's like, oh, I'll just tie it. I'll just force it again. And then that's when I like learned about, oh, this is a visual representation. He's trying to put the female with the female. You can't right. do that. Female with <laughs> yeah. the male. That's what this whole movie is about. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then that's, yeah. The, the, I, that was yeah. one big part early on that I was like, dang, there, there is meaning behind what you can tell. Yeah. Yeah, that's really amazing. Yeah, Dr. Grant finds a way. Yes, yeah, life finds a way. Yeah, you know, I just saw that just this last week, you know, because they're like re-released. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever. yeah, that's pretty amazing. Um, but it, it occurred to me that in the film where he's like, they run and they do move in herds, uh, is, is just as much about his family, like his, uh, oh, yeah. you know, right? Oh, it's about having yeah. kids and it's about having mm -hmm. a wife. Um, that they gosh. move in herds. I was like, oh, jeez. Mm -hmm. And then it well, also occurred to me, well, yes, yeah. It also I occurred mean... to me, though, <laughs> that it's like, what's cool also is that, like, this whole island are, like, these women, right? These mm -hmm. female dinosaurs, right? Stopping this whole circumstance of, like, this, this ma maniacal man's idea to control, create world on his own. Mm -hmm. Um so that also, it seems like, is at odds with all that. Um, What's yeah, fish should have died at the end? <laughs> Who? Attenborough. The, Attenborough. David, David, which Attenborough was it? <laughs> Richard. 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 He should have died at the end. <laughs> I'm, pl I'm planting my flag on that one. Yeah, copy that. <laughs> I think he did in the book. Um, he did. That character did. He did. Yeah. Because yeah. I, yeah. Dinosaur ate him over. Well, I didn't want to say be the person who's like, the book was better than the movie. Because it wasn't. <laughs> Books are never better than movies. They're just different. Mm -hmm. But the I Indian think that movie was better than the book. was better. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Just like Jaws. Oh, my gosh. My favorite movie. I love Jaws. Yeah. Do you think you're going to continue? you know reservation dogs is going to come to a conclusion mm -hmm. claim. And yeah. if it if it doesn't end i mean if it does end is, are you going to go on to sort of analyze something else you think oh yeah so uh again my goal is to just have fun um i would love to eventually create like a, i've so i've called my other channel indigenous talk and my goal is just when kind of like what we're doing now just group of friends picking a topic and talking about it and so eventually my goal is to just maybe do a video a week or a video every two weeks and maybe 
just picking a topic, talking about it for like not even that long, like 10 to 20 minutes, editing it and then just putting it out. I feel like there's nothing out like that at the moment. Uh, Like I find that like Indian country today, they cover fantastic stories, but they don't have any like video aspect of that. They do have like a, a news show they do, but not many people are aware. Yeah. And so I don't know, just like me and my buddies. And that's something I would like to see, you know, something for fun. So I don't really know if it'll continue with movies, but that's a good starting point for me. I know I want to try to do something for Killers of the Flower Moon. We definitely need that. Like what you're saying, Mm -hmm. it seems like that, you know, especially in the form that you you mediate, which is on YouTube. It seems Mm -hmm. like primarily, right? I think you have other venues like instagram and TikTok, right oh yeah yeah and those are just clips but youtube's the main one and yeah we really need some sort of like discussive show like all of this mm-hmm. and the fact that all all four of you at least on the show right now you are so like welcoming and it feels like you're just in the room hanging out and oh yeah like those that. are those are yeah those are my good buddies um so like talking about like the analysis and whatnot i don't know if Maybe I wasn't aware of the first two seasons of seasons seasons of Reservation Dogs, but this season has gotten super deep with the like themes and the different things that they have been doing, where it's not very accessible to the public. I notice a lot of other people kind of just want, hey, let me get the group of friends hanging out, having fun, let me laugh, but they're kind of reserved with what they've given to us so far. Like the previous episode, episode five, it actually was written by Sterling Harjo and also Tommy Pico, who is an indigenous poet. And so in that whole episode, there is themes woven in with poetry. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what? And so I don't know. I, I thought that that was fantastic because I don't know. They, they are taking a risk, I feel like, in possibly alienate the audience from what they want but they're giving them i don't know the, I, I just think it's is neat that they're they going pretty deep on reservation docs this season yeah and you use an interesting word to alienate right just like the yeah. words of that uh i think it's part uh, stitched into mm-hmm. the episode a little bit uh but yeah you're, you're making a really great observation and we kind of need that kind of analysis i feel like to like just show that our artwork is just as high in its yes. value. Do you have any observations that you didn't were able to finish or put into the episode that you're gonna have on your own series? Um, um or something that you observed that didn't get time to talk about? What um yeah, one thing I've seen is Sterling Harjo, he said, Hey, I guess I, I read it in, in an interview that for this third season he already knew it was going to be the final season and so prior to recording the season he told everybody working on the show hey this is going to be the final season hey this is going to be the final season because as they were reading the scripts they were saying hey you know this story is kind of going in a certain place and he knew that it was and so with that you can see in this current season three that he is really like coming full circle with season one season two and it's like every character has a piece. Every character is going somewhere, and you can see that. Initial, it, it makes me think of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy three. If you guys saw that, like that was beautifully wrapped up. Each character had their own arc from the very beginning, and it's like, 
uh, James Gunn didn't know he was going to lead his characters there from the first movie. That was just what he started with. And he was able to create that. And I feel like Sterling Harjo will be able to pull off the same thing as in create a great arc for the entire cast and um, push the story forward. And so that's the, the big thing I saw this season because I was like, oh, it'll be fun, you know, fun show. But I'm like, oh, wow, there is so much thought put into this one. You never know how much a writer or a creator mm-hmm. has a plan of their story or their show. But you feel like he knew where he was going. And mm-hmm. even like uh, there were like episodes in that first season, like with the fish, I was like, oh, yeah, it, they never resolved the fish in that first season. I was telling when we were talking about this episode and then in the, in the next season we get to resolve the fish and actually matt mm-hmm. was, matt bars here was one, was, the, in that <laughs> was, in, was one of the fish fuckers <laughs> i guess you call them what are they called matt yeah <laughs> oh the streamers the midstreamers yeah midstreamers which i think it kind of helps to know a little bit about the oklahoma politics in some of these Oh. episodes because there's a lot of kind of oklahoma specific jokes about mid like mm-hmm. especially about midstreamers and all of the oil companies here and most recently the episode about dear lady or dear woman where one of the nuns is called sister stit oh yeah i saw that on which i saw someone name- share yeah one one thing, me and my buddies, we just barely talked about actually that we didn't understand because on my show, the four of us are Navajo. In episode five, Reservation Dogs, Maximus, he calls himself Chabon. And we were like, oh, is that his middle name? Is that his last name? And then my buddy's like, no, someone else calls themselves Chabon too. Is that like a nickname? We're like, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah that we needed help we were like what does that mean that's where we, we didn't have the, the oklahoma perspective I, I believe it means friend is that correct it, no chabon means little boy little boy uh, okay yeah little boy little boy i yeah when i worked for that could have helped service, i worked yeah, with that a muskogee <laughs> Creek girl and she kept she kept calling all the little ones little chabonis uh, so it's kind of a term of endearment especially coming yeah. from aunties Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, you cute little boy. Yeah, that's what happens in the IHS episode. Just the one before. Yeah. Where it's yeah, like yeah. She gets called Japan. Yeah. The um, I'm curious where you sit on this uh, Bear and Jackie relationship, or even like Bear and uh, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it could go there. I I guess I got to see more. There there was a website that put out the episode titles and the episode descriptions for the other five episodes to come and i was like oh okay mm. yeah and so i don't know there, there's some speculation there that i kind of want to do with my buddies and i, I don't know so maybe mm-hmm. something happens between them i don't know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh you have any thoughts about uh bev and big bev and big oh my <laughs> they 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 are naturals the, I, I really want to see like the deleted scenes or extras where i'm sure they just kept riffing and going <laughs> um on uh episode four just like flirting with one another at the desk and i i would love to hear what else they might have said because i'm sure they just let him loose and just just go yeah yeah we got to pay something in the credits but it would Uh, be funny to see it off and that was unusual for them they don't usually run the the gag you know the oh yeah i know 
think which they just means I'm I'm sure yeah. there's more and uh, Jana Schmeeding, um, she's good. I mean, she yeah, she, she has. Oh it. my gosh, she's amazing. Mm-hmm. We interviewed her, funny. and she was just so much fun to talk to. And she's an improv person, right? Is that yeah? Is that she right? came from I think UCB so. for from the Upright Citizens Brigade. That's where she got her training in New York. She Very was a teacher, right, for a little bit. She was, yeah, yeah. I was, I was wanting to do an episode on her, so I like really dived into her as well. I do know she's a cat person, so I prepared yeah. cat videos for her, <laughs> native cat videos. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, and I'm like, oh, I. The time will come L- when the strike ends. Listen, I watched your Res Cat episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that was good. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Res Cat episode's a great one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that was great. <laughs> uh, where, where where do you sit on um, who's who did the best uh, young version? Uh, oh, uh, what? Uh, uh, so Nathan it, Alexis, Young Brownie is. Right? I mean, no offense to everyone oh, else. Yeah. Yeah. There's no contest. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Young Brownie in episode five. Uh, yeah. There for a minute, I thought that yeah, uh, Gary Farmer had ADR'd his voice. I, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I had to ask the director. I was like, did you do any adjustment to the voice? He was like, no, that was all natural. And I was like, no way. It was all uh, oh what was captured on set. That's incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, it's all about the voice. Yeah. Like he really gets the inflection mm-hmm. and, and just like the beats of all of the... Uh, the uh, the emphasis of you know the end of a sentence really incredible the actors in that that episode man i think they all kind of like did good of playing the younger selves of those older people because i was like mm-hmm. everybody's like their mannerisms their voices the intonation I think, I, yeah, all that stuff. The, I was like, oh man they the people that did irene i mean yeah Quana and yeah. yeah oh yeah and Casey, I mean, she, they did those side by side pictures online. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. That's like, that's, I don't know if that, you know, I guess it's a mix of Angelique and, and Sterling because I, I didn't knock that one out the park for me. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it, it, it really did work in the way that Days and Confused was all of a sudden this sort of like presentation of all of these unknowns. And you grasp a personality of the actor. And and you're really thrown into such uh, surprising performances. There's just such strength and confidence in both like the directing and then the casting. And it just feels like I feel like that was such amazing strength of this particular episode that I feel like people are just going to remember. Um, very similar to like that um, Days and Confused because when that came out also, it just felt like, mm. who are these people? And, you know, I mean, people still just keep continuing to cite the McConaughey moments and yeah. um, <laughs> right. Uh, so it feels like it, that this episode really caught the art of those elements um, beyond just sort of like the other allusions to that film. I got to say though, I think the girls could be a lot, could have been a lot meaner. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't been around some native girls in those situations. But they have, I mean, I guess it's true. I'm just thinking, you know, the amount of time that we spend with them it's like we have to solidify the similarity to who they are in the other episodes and whether it's like the older version or the younger version 
when we see them appear, we have like this minimal amount of time with all these characters. And so it's like yeah, almost the older like baby a... was pretty feisty, you know. And that's I didn't true. That feistiness from her younger version. That is very true. Yeah, I thought that might have been they were trying to do something with that by making her be nicer in that period. And just I don't know what they're saying, but it felt like a, there was a reason why. And maybe it is because of what happened with her Fixico and Max 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 what's his name? Maximus? Maximus. Maximus. Right. Yeah, her those three. Maybe that kind of began her bitterness or whatever, you know. And so I thought that was like purposeful that they made her a little nicer. Right. I mean, like that does align a little bit with the uh, the women that we do know. Um, you know, Bev a little bit. She's got a bite now that she's older. Um, teeny, uh, sort of like describing that baggage earlier in the first episode. And uh, obviously Rita has a little bit of some bite to her. And maybe we are starting to understand like in this sort of like cycle of people being together and enjoying time, but then getting into fights and separating, which is almost what happened with Alora and Bear in season two, that if they completely separated, they would become these bitter people with a lot more bite. So I understand where he's going with that. That makes a lot of sense. I'm curious where everybody sits, especially Patrick. I'm curious where people sit with the idea of the eggplant. I still don't know. My buddies made fun of me because <laughs> I kept trying to come up with a a meaning and whatnot, and I I, st I still don't have any any uh, interpretation other than it being oh that's funny or something recognizable like that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it seems pretty important. I mean, it's a joke at the beginning, and mm -hmm. it's also like you know pretty phallic, I guess, when it first arrives in the the beating. Um, but it comes up well, with knife man right like the yeah william knife man he has like the beaded eggplant as well right and, um yeah i and just then, assume it was like a continuing theme of penises because like yeah you know, that's what i thought from the beaded penises mm -hmm. and you know whenever mm -hmm. you text somebody you seen the egg eggplant that means you know what it means <laughs> and then maximus was planting eggplants he said oh it's star people food and i'm like wait how did he get how did he get to that uh conclusion though it's like, what does that mean? I don't know. Right, right. What does that mean? Yeah. It's Maybe star people food. Fed them, yeah. Yeah. My my sense, I have a feeling that the, the eggplant is just basically like a star person sonic. That's my <laughs> <laughs> anticipation. Uh, that's good. That's, uh, that's good. Um, one thing I thought would be interesting to bring up is... Before the season began, Sterling Harjo put out on his social media, I, I brought it up right now, and it's pretty much like a, a letter, just a love letter to the show and whatnot, saying, oh, I had a great time. But his last paragraph, it says something interesting. It says, Reservation Dogs has been a privilege. Although it's the end of this story, it's likely you will see Elora Dannon, Dannon, Bear Small Hill, Willie Jack, Cheese Williams, and other characters in the Res Dog universe show up in other stories to come what does he mean what well it's a res dog <laughs> universe starting right i mean so we're gonna have other stories and uh we talked about there's a possibility of a, a knife man story is like one of the rumors going around uh, my buddy and again rumors rumors my buddy is like hey man i know bears the, the actor who plays bear i know his sibling 
and he told me there's going to be an urban reserva- reservation dogs. And I'm like, where did you hear this? How? Can-? I'm like, I don't, don't believe him. <laughs> but I'm willing to accept accept any rumor at this point because I'm like, oh, what do they mean? What are they going to try? Yeah. And you you mentioned a uh, um, William Knifeman, something to come of that maybe you never know all yeah i mean like speculations right now mm-hmm. all rumors and speculations <laughs> yes yeah i mean like this house made of bongs is one where it's setting up a whole new cast just yeah yeah that's oh what I was yeah that's right? what i was thinking because it shows like, that they could pull out oh, see pull i thought the off. aunties were gonna get their spin off Oh yeah! Oh, they should yeah. too. Like, well, um, that's the thing. Everybody, like the whole everybody IHS wants thing. a piece of it. Of something. Yeah, yeah. Aunties will have a good show, and even if they do, like you know how like uh, when shows end and then they come back for like TV movies every once in a while, and that that could be a thing too. Oh, like mm-hmm. Sex in the City. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh shit! They Veronica, could even do that theatrical. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you know, Downton Abbey or The X Files or something. Down, they yeah. go to the movie. It's it's already kind of occurred. Like if you've watched any of Sterling Hartjo's movies, like you'd have to search for some of them. But Irene is an example of a character who like has already expanded the universe because she exists in a previous film prior to this. So I would imagine if he goes and makes anything else, like a fiction feature or like another series that's also fiction, I bet these characters are going to probably show up somehow. Probably not be the leads, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. But even Maybe. the characters are all pretty strong characters that they could go off into their own little solo adventure. We could follow them, you know, or a group adventure, like you said, with the aunties and the and um, the nineteen seventies kids. Like he said, a whole universe. So there's like it's for the picking, you know. I think somebody said that uh, big and the and the guy at the junkyard. They could have a, a an adventure together in a, in a show, maybe solving mysteries. Other than drug fueled <laughs> mirages. Oh yeah, I want the dark skies crossover. I totally do. <laughs> <laughs> I totally do. I want uh, I want Lee Port and Big to to do a uh, either a face off or a, a, a crime solve by themselves. <laughs> It'd be like face off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally switch faces. <laughs> yeah, literally that'd be awesome because <laughs> they. <laughs> Yeah, this is your new face. <laughs> oh no, it could be like Parent Trap. They they were twins separated. Oh, I one love that. Was taken home to the res. The other one was taken home to the other res. <laughs> oh, it writes itself. Patrick, yeah. Would you like to talk about your um, hoop dancing? Would you like to? Would you be willing to talk about that? Because oh yeah, I think sure. That's a huge part of my life is I've been dancing my entire life. And then later, maybe like 10 years ago is when I picked up hoop dancing or so grew up my whole life powwow dancing, doing the immense fancy feather dance, picked up hoop dancing about 10 years ago. And then I found like a big passion for it and uh, uh, the ability to share a lot of creativity with that. And that took off. I, I was fortunate to be ranked at to get like fourth place at the world championship hoop dance contest and then from there opened up a new uh journey of just native american cultural presentations and so i got i have a lot of experience doing native american presentations i actually had a meeting meeting earlier today i'm going to cuba in november 
uh, to do presentations. And so uh, kind of like in an uh, unexpectedly becoming a, a role model or like a speaker for our culture and representative. And so that also played a big factor into me making YouTube videos because even making like native humor YouTube videos, I was like, okay, I need to do this with respect. I need to remember, you know, like um, I'm rep representing our culture here too. And so actually fun fact, uh, I do not allow any uh, anti jokes, uh, like snagging antis or any, I don't know the, the, how, how it's become a common thing to make fun of uh, aunties or, oh, you know, snagging an auntie at a powwow or something and how it's just commonly accepted within our culture. And I still been meaning to make a video about this. And then I tried to do my best with like the taboo stuff, but I don't know. It's tough. I mean, like trying to navigate that, but that's where like, uh, uh, the whole like, um, hoop dancing and the meaning of the dance has really affected my life. And so I kind of learned all that. And then I started making YouTube videos. And so that has helped me navigate to, I don't know, to make content in a, I don't know, the, a safe way to not look, not make it seem like it's a, like we said earlier, like appropriating our own culture or um, making ourselves, you know, look in, in a bad light or whatnot. That, that is an interesting thing. Cause occasionally I post about that and a lot of people don't know, oh, you, you dance or it's like, what? It is pretty cool and startling when someone first finds out about it um but it's so awesome like the videos themselves and i want to see that in person one day oh yeah you need to come out here mm -hmm. and do that yeah. <laughs> i like found some success as well with like combining my dancing and then just doing like very simple editing techniques or very simple like effects with with the camera because i had never seen that done before and still a lot of things i haven't seen done before that i want to do that I think is so cool, just pushing, I don't know, our indigenous content in a creative way that um, hasn't been seen online. I love that. I love hoop dance, man. I think they're like awesome looking and, and the way it's done and see how you guys do all that stuff. It's mm -hmm. amazing. How many, what's yeah. the highest number that you've dealt with? <laughs> it's a classic, classic hoop dancer question. <laughs> it's, it's always, it's always, oh, I know a guy who does 30 hoops or, and it's like, uh, <laughs> the, the, the world champion for many years, he only used five hoops. And so it, you can use so many things. Uh, I usually vary between like 11 and 13 hoops. You know, it, it depends on what I want to show and yeah, it, it depends. But uh, that's something I, I practice every single day. I practiced earlier today and that helps me be creative. And then, so I think that's where my passion for making videos and falling in love with movies uh, really all came from just the creative and what, what that can mean. And where do you see all of this leading to? Uh, I don't know, actually. <laughs> that's a good question. I really just need to get back to making Natives React videos and then go from there. Uh, we plan on opening up like a, like an online store and having some merch finally. Uh, we've been asked about that, uh, for a while. I don't know. It's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I guess ultimately I would love to inspire other indigenous youth to, I don't know, to put themselves out there to, um, be able to get to that point of creating something, um, so that's, I guess, my next creative project is I really want to make something that I feel like could inform our like native youth um, that something I wish I had when I started. 
Yeah, I'm curious along those lines, just to mix both of these things. Yeah. Is there is there something you wish did exist like that, like a movie or a series that you did a exist? A yeah, dream? Wish, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, whatchamacallit? Uh, um, I think this is just falling in, in love with movies and whatnot. I've always thought it was fascinating. I'm like, okay, when are we going to get the next, I don't know, the when are we going to actually have a, a indigenous person win like a best actor at Oscars, which people are saying Lily Gladstone is a possible front runner for killers of the flower moon. And I'm like, finally, but also, I mean, uh, uh, aside from that, I'm like, when are we going to get the next smoke signals or something that is so culturally important or impacts everybody? I guess you could say maybe reservation dogs. But like, when are we going to get the next, I don't know, something like that. I feel like we've had a lot of attempts, but I don't know that. I mean, and I don't blame everybody because I'm sure it's extremely difficult, but I would just love to see it all expand. Yeah. Hopefully that will happen. I think that's so many people's dreams is to have those mm -hmm. things happen, especially the, the actor. Like if we can get, if we can get all those awards, mm -hmm. that's, I will be satisfied or at least be able to like sit back and be like, wow, we achieved. Mm -hmm. um, we had a Wes Studi. He got an honorary Oscar. Mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's something. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But that always, it always feels like it's like throwing a bone to somebody after you. It's like you made a mistake. It's like, oh, yeah, uh, we uh, underappreciated you in your time. But it, so here's yeah, something for that, yeah. that effort. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, but I mean, he totally deserves to be recognized. But you know, if, if they can recognize us now, you know, that would be amazing. It's on you, Lily. Well, is there anything other than Killers that you're looking forward to coming out? Oh, yeah. Uh, whatchamacallit? I was talking to my buddies about this. I didn't learn about this until just barely, until last week. Um, I don't know if y'all are aware of it, but uh, Cody, Cody Lightning, yes. he has a film it it de debuted at the tribeca film festival or and it's at the cans or it's at one film festival it's going to be soon but it yes. was at a previous one called hey victor mm -hmm. yeah. um where he's trying to he was in smoke signals and he's trying to make a sequel and you look at the cast and a lot of the original smoke signals cast is connected to it and i'm like what how did uh -huh. i hear nothing about this <laughs> right yeah and so that I am really looking forward to. I hope that does well. I hope that has good reception. Um, yeah, that is, is shot up to like, I am super interested in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a little bit of a sneak up award that goes to that, <laughs> that particular film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're excited about that. Hey, Victor. And you know what? Just to bring this back to full circle, you know, mm -hmm. Cody Lightning was in a Sterling Harjo film. Oh. Um, yeah four sheets to the wind four sheets to the... dang i gotta i gotta go through his filmography i know he's done like some doc some documentaries as well he did one on dance and mm -hmm. let me mm -hmm. check those out i always liked barking water i feel like that that was ryan redcorn's major debut that's a good richard ray yeah is there is there anything on uh everyone else's radar that's coming up aside from those two I'm looking forward to our flag. Our flag means death. Season two. Our flag. Oh, okay. <laughs> With Taika. 
Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Uh, Tully, you have something? No, I mean, you know, Killers is the main thing that we're really, you know, anticipating mm -hmm. to see. And um, so Sunrise runs Dead Center Film Festival. The, what is it called? Dead like a Center lot of Film movies. Festival? Yeah. There was a lot of great movies that came out there that I didn't get to see because there was one like Fry Bread Face and what were the other ones that were? Oh, yeah. I, I want to see Fry Bread Face. That one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Fry Bread Face and me, just speaking about language, uh, I saw that premiere at South By. And I cried uh, because uh, the language was so accurate and the environment was so accurate. I like, I was just saying how much, how it just it moved me so much. And I just started breaking down in the middle of saying, mm -hmm. I couldn't even complete what I was saying. It was so awesome. So like, if you have NAFO folks that are um, maybe concerned about language, I feel like that one is going to oh. hit well with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry, Tony, it invaded. No, no, that's that's good. That's good. Echo's one of the shows that I'm really excited to see, you know, because it's my tribe and they work close with the, the filmmakers on that. And Sydney Freeland directs the first episode. So that's going to mm, be cool. Oh, yeah. And a lot of natives and, are going to be working, working on it. I don't know. And then she's yeah. also doing like Res Ball. Res Ball. Which I thought it was a movie but i heard people say it was a series i don't know did you guys hear that i don't know if it's one or the other do you do you guys hear anything no i i keep hearing that it's a movie it's a movie um, okay yeah i keep hearing it's a movie yeah and what's interesting about that is it's like basically it's almost like they took like the dark winds crew also and then they just uh, put them to make it a movie yeah okay yeah um well, that's yeah, cool. i'm excited about that yeah yeah, and that's her. Uh, maybe that's her remake of her uh, short film *Res Runner*. <laughs> right, absolutely could be. Um, speaking of a short, one I'm very excited about is *Black Horse Low*. Right, so he just directed um, the *House Made of Bongs*. Yeah, episode five. Episode five. Um, he did the uh, the episode last uh, season with the. Uh, um, the big sort of like yeah 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 substance use um that matt was in but the uh he's got a short called um metal belt that like goes back to like um pre-contact and is about like navajos and like uh, uh the spanish interacting and uh yeah i guess it's like a short that's in preparation for like a larger feature so I'm really curious about like how that's going to play out, especially since it's like not going to be in English at all. You know, he he's like somebody who's known to like go into like extreme strangeness. So I'm curious if it's going to get like really weird in some sort of way. Matt Bars, do you have anything? Lowdown Entertainment. Echo, Echo's the uh, big one for me. Matt Bars has did a, a short recently. I still haven't seen it, so I want to check that one out. Yeah, on the festival circuit, Matt Bars's distance with a period. So while we've got you here, I'm I'm yeah. just very curious about what kind of YouTubers you watch. Oh yeah, since I love movies, pretty much I watch uh, this guy, uh, the John Campia show. I watch him every single day. He just does movie discussions. Anyways, I it was through him I got the inspiration for Indigenous Talk because I do Natives React, right? Because I want to continually learn. I watch so many other React channels. I look at what they do. I look at what, what I like, what I don't like. 
and I adapt and apply that to my own channel. But I watch a lot of React channels. And then also I love supporting other indigenous YouTubers. One guy uh, I am a big fan of is uh, Navajo. His channel is Navajo Man and Lakota Bay. I think they have like 20,000 subscribers. Navajo Man, he is, uh, he's just naturally funny. Yeah, he, he is awesome. Um, so th those are the channels that come to mind off the top of my head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, they have quite a lot of subscribers. It's mm -hmm. crazy. Mm -hmm. um, are, are you, do you feel like you might reach out to any of these? Oh YouTubers yeah, yeah. I I asked yeah. I asked him actually to be a guest. He said he's totally down. It's just I have I I want to I don't know just figure out a better way than figure out a better way to collaborate with them. So I'm sure sounds like we might be in the same area uh, sometime soon. So uh, I always have two questions. I have two questions to that I always ask everyone at the end of a of an interview. The first one is, what advice would you give your younger self? Uh, advice to give your younger self is to follow your passions. I wish I would have fallen in love with movies at an earlier age. <laughs> I wish I would have made YouTube videos at an earlier age. I, uh, yeah, so follow your passions. Yeah, great advice for any age. Mm. <laughs> and the next question is, what are you reading or watching or listening to that is inspiring you right now reading um i think i would just say i, I think it's just because it's right now just reservation dogs um uh just at the time that we were recording this only a few more hours and then i'm checking out the next episode and then writing down my notes and so uh that is one big inspiration right now um yeah <laughs> and tell us where we can find you on all your socials Oh yeah, uh, just at at Patrick is a Navajo on Instagram, or you can go to YouTube and type in at Patrick is or Patrick is a Navajo, or you can type in uh, my other channel. I just started Indigenous Talk. Any other questions, comments, concerns? Questions, questions. Uh, no. I, um, th this was refreshing talking with y'all. Since I've started recording with my buddies, you know, now I've started to been able to finally talk to someone, and so I think it's very interesting talking to a different group, getting a different perspective. Yeah. Well, well thanks so thanks much for coming. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Please feel free to pop on anytime, you know? Yeah, we'll have to do um, not only just a res exchange, we'll do a pod exchange. Hey. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure we could work something out like that. All right. So thanks for everybody for listening. And remember, everybody get off mute, Tolly. Thanks for listening. And remember, don't just keep it real. Keep it real. Real. Nice. That part went down. <laughs>